What is going on, everybody? You are with the Cardboard Coaches with your boy, Coach Goat. And I am the Cartel. Love it. I think we that was probably our best intro yet. It's getting smooth. Booyah. So today and I, and I threw in this, uh, this hand signal, this <laughs> Cardboard <laughs> Coaches. What are you doing there, sir? It's like uh, maybe two testes. Two testicles <laughs> descending. And once they descend, it's time for the coaches. <laughs> we, uh, we're chatting today about uh, the 90s, which is crazy because, I, you know, up until I want to say like three, four months ago, everyone was talking relentless shit about the 90s. I, I've never been like slapped so hard with words. Anytime I mentioned the fact that I had a box of Bowman 1990 or, you know, I've always wanted a Matt Sundin card, which happens to be from 1990 and all this jazz. And uh, we now have a lot of influencers talking about the 90s. And this, this, sir, this is your territory right here because you were like straight up collecting in the 90s. Because I, because I lived in the 90s, whereas what, uh, you had a couple years in the 90s? or I had, uh, I had seven years in the 90s. So like I, I got time in the 90s, you know? Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, not 90s hockey cards uh, in particular were, were, uh, were my thing and they were colorful, all sorts of different technology that was being uh, uh, played with and um, a lot of experiments in the industry. And uh, at the same time, you know, the, the basketball cards at the time, which I obviously wasn't as into, uh, were kind of on the leading edge of that. And from what I can recall, there, were, there was a little bit more in terms of what to look for uh, in some of the other sports as far as rookie cards and that sort of thing. But I know that the one thing that held back hockey was there wasn't that chase that you see these days, yeah. uh, the, the type of prospecting that goes on. Um, even in an era, funny enough, where you could find uh, world junior cards and subsets that you don't see anymore because of yeah. licensing restrictions and whatnot. But uh, obviously my age group is going back to those cards. And it's not that they're looking for the traditional thing. They're not looking necessarily for rookie cards. They're looking for these insert cards, uh, these rarities that have to do with these Hall of Famers and the players that we had grown up with, right? So it's not surprising that, once again, nostalgia is ruling the day in the lockdown era, right? For you, it's, it's, it's hugely nostalgic because it's literally first time you were looking at cards, right? Yeah. So um, that, that, that's, that's just yet another... Uh, example of nostalgia ruling the collectibles market right now and it's driving some some huge prices and i think that the play that a lot of people are starting to get into right now is out with the new and in with the old which is a bit of a, a, a topsy-turvy version of, of, yeah. of what you usually see happening which is not to say that you know we're, we're tossing away the new market we're going to talk about that in a bit i'm sure because nick suzuki psa 10 rookie cards are now selling for six hundred and fifty dollars US, uh, I put out a I put out a story uh, asking asking people to ask me questions. Someone asked, "What? Where can the Suzuki go?" I said, "I don't know. Five hundred bucks at this point." Uh, this was maybe two weeks ago, and a bunch of people got in my DMs telling me I was crazy. Did you see well, the, the world the, is crazy? Did I did I did I, sh I show you the the hues from today? 
the Hughes. Uh, I, I think the Hughes, funny enough, is trending in the same direction and around well, the same. He's place. at uh, I think he's five fifty US, but last week he was like one eighty five. Yeah, and and to say that this is an overreaction is an understatement. There's a, a bit of a, a, a comfortable feeling in, in, the, in, in the chaos when you've been around the market for a long time, like I have. And obviously, people are so hyper-reactive right now that um, I'm able to step back and, and, and watch that from a bit of a different perspective, knowing full well that one or two games does not tell the story, especially in hockey. Tyler Toffoli, baby. Yeah, Tyler Toffoli. I, I saw those. His his young gun has has exploded. It's very obviously very um, very much telling of the time that we're talking about right now. Like today, it's the twenty third. We're recording today, right? Today, so yeah. God knows how things are going to go. Like a week. If you from watch now. this in two weeks, and he goes on a, a five game goalless drought, and his card goes back down to the eight dollars it was before this all started. Please just note that it went from $8 to 55 in three games, two games. Yeah, be, uh, you know, the, the, the best bit of advice I can give you right now is be a seller. If you're a seller right now, God bless your heart. Don't be afraid to pull the trigger. I know there's people who are probably sitting there saying, maybe I can hold on to this and keep seeing where it's going. You have to put it in pers- into perspective, choose markers. So what that means is choose a card that you can kind of use as a marker, um, I like to go with the Nathan McKinnon because that was the first card last year that started blowing up before the pandemic era. And if that's a $2,000 us card right now, which I have news for you, it is as of yesterday. Really? Yeah. Finally hit 2k USD, which is somewhere around $5,800 Canadian based on, you know, that, that, that joke is really good right now. That joke isn't funny anymore. Exactly. Because Our dollar the, the, is really good right now, man. I saw that joke on a, on a big uh, page today and I was, I was, I was tempted to comment, but I don't want to be that nitpicker, but yeah, that's true. The, uh, you know, it's probably closer to like 2,500 Canadian right now. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I use that as a marker and I asked myself if Nathan McKinnon is $2,000, does this card need to be this price? And that has dictated a lot of my movements uh, this past week, actually. Uh, hot and heavy action out there, man. Um, having to make decisions on the fly. Um, we'll get to some of the situations that heavily impact that, like trades. But Can just I talk quickly, about my OV? We'll talk about your OV in Not a moment. <laughs> your OV is closer to what we're talking about, the 90s, right? Yeah. Which is the concept of yeah. established players. Yes, um, the other, the confidence that people have going back into the nineties and picking up those cards, whether it's their favorite, uh, you know, kind of cultish player, uh, Jocelyn Tebow, I'll give you an example, or whether it's an established player, maybe you want to invest in Jerome McGinley or Paul Correa, hint, hint, you know, if, if you're doing that, you're, you're dabbling with established players. We know what they did and, and it kind of, kind of only get better from there yeah. uh, unless they commit some sort of a crime or, or, or something terrible like that. Yeah. But, you know, but Ovi fits into that category already. If he, if he stepped away today, he's a hall of famer, well-loved cult figure. He was in commercials. He was, he's a, he's a cultural figure. I mean, he uh, brought, he basically brought Washington like from the dumps, man. Like they he had nobody, you know, like Olaf Kolzig in his final year, maybe. I, I, I tell you my, my secret fantasy for Ovi, which, which would benefit you greatly given that you're an investor in him now would be seeing him, you know, in a Ray Bork type of situation where he ends up on a team 
uh, that, you know, is, is, is a legitimate contender. Not that Washington isn't, I guess they kind of are, but if they can't get it done, if he lands on a team that just needs that one little piece to push them over the top and he winds up with, uh, with another cup, I mean, that, that'd be a great storyline, but the other great storyline is the goal scoring record. I've never thought that that's going to happen personally. I understand that it can, um, the, the future of, you know, normalcy in hockey is really in question right now in terms well, of the only, how many the biggest, games you can play. The biggest issue is the fact that he basically just lost two years because of COVID, right. you know, like, um, but the thing is, and this is like, this is me talking as someone who, you know, loves watching Ovi play. I, I think he scored the greatest goal of all time, to be honest. I think that his goal on his back um, against the uh, Phoenix Coyotes in his rookie season where he literally fell on his back and he dragged it in behind him. I think that might be the greatest goal ever scored. Um, but aside from that, I think that he's the type of guy that if he gets close enough, he's not going to stop playing until he breaks it, man. Like, and like right now he's, I think he's 190 something off. So like he's a ways away, but if he can cut that in the next three seasons by like 90, which would be like 30 a year, and I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I think there's a shot that he just keeps playing for the sake of it, man. Well, he always seems well-conditioned. You know, we've got a precedent for it in the form of Yaramir Yager, who's still playing to this day. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's, there's a big chance. We never know what's going to happen in an athlete's life. Yeah. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov being a good example in the UFC. It, you know, to a lot of people, really didn't make sense. He's one off from having a nice round number of victories versus zero losses. What's he at? Um, building a legacy. What's that? What's he at? He's 29 and 0, right? So he would just need one more to make it a nice round number. But at the same time, the guy had extremely legitimate and, you know, familial reasons for, for retiring. Um, he, he certainly doesn't need the money. The guy's got telecommunications money at this point. Um, but, you know, uh, we could potentially see him back when it comes to his legacy, like, like you're talking about. And I think for Ovi, that's what it would potentially come down to. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that would be huge. That would just be absolutely huge. But it's almost unthinkable to think of down the line what the market is going to look like uh, at that point. Um, we're, we're, we're reaching that point uh, where you know, when Donruss retail basketball is soliciting at $1,200 a box and we are eliminating the concept in the hobby of being able to comfortably and enjoyably open a box of, of cardboard, yes. plain paper cards. Yes. And we're also being priced out. Think of all the Montreal Canadian fans. I mean, I know a lot of young people on Instagram are, are big hockey fans and to them, a Nick Suzuki rookie card, it was tradable. It was movable. It was obtainable. Maybe it's not so obtainable now. So we are just fading more and more away from being a hobby. I mean, so I can't, I can't get an Austin Matthews. Like, sure. I'm- yeah. I mean, and so a lot of like today is like any other day, there will be a dozen to a hundred new collectors born today. I don't know where I pulled that stat out of, out of my ass potentially, but All good. there will be a group of people born into the hobby today. And, and yeah, there'll be people in Toronto who want an Austin Matthews rookie card. They're going to be, their eyebrows are going to be raised when they see what's going on with the pricing there. it's either going to turn them off completely yeah. or, you know, again, depending on their financial situations, it may, it might turn them on or it might create a scenario where look, a lot of people are probably making very sketchy financial decisions right now. 
jumping into a market the way that it is right now with no previous experience. I mean, it's one thing if you've done some research, it's one thing if you have a, a helping hand. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of, uh, a lot of veteran collectors are coming in handy now to people who are starting to dip their toes into the market. Uh, and I think that's smart. That, that would be my play. Yeah. If I was a complete layman coming into the market right now, but I at least knew about sports and had a hankering for getting in on the investment uh, side of things, I would want to do that via a trusted partner. Yeah, someone who's That's... educated and who's like already experienced the ebbs and flows of it. I mean, like I, I came in and I took a lot of losses when I first came in. But like, I learned a lot in that process, but I honestly don't know where I would be if I didn't have like you there, you know, like there are so many rules that like, unless you're in it for a certain number, like enough time and you're watching and you need to know what to watch and how to watch and you need to know what to look for and sort yeah, there's full pause that like, man, there's dangers in there. Right. And, and yeah. we, we touched on them previously. You, you, you go into the market and you start to buy, you want to, you want to play with baseball and you start to buy some of these extraneous tops products that you find out, uh, you know, you find out Bowman's best is not giving you the same value as tops Chrome. Yeah. Uh, you, you find out the hard way, potentially you buy some of the even more extraneous products like fire and you realize that's not where you should have been putting your money. Yeah. You have breakers coming at you telling you that the way to invest is through breaks. You're going to lose a ton of money there right off the bat. Um, and so there's all these little, these, these little pitfalls that you may have already experienced that tons of people are going to experience on the way to finding out that, you know, the, the best way to, to, to do this is to, to gather the information and know exactly what you're going after. If you want a Fernando Tatis, are you going after his first, his rookie card? What does that even mean? Are you being steered by some nefarious people to the cards that they want to move to make their plays? Yeah. And they're moving those cards for a reason. Yeah you got to kind of have, you kind of have to figure that out. It's like when you get to the poker table and you're, if you don't figure out who the dope is within five minutes, you're the dope. So that, that's what's going on. That's what's going on in the market right now. And uh, thankfully, yeah, a lot of people are getting a lot of good information. It's becoming easier to obtain, right? You get on Instagram, you follow the right accounts. Yeah. And I think that's something we've done a good job trying to steer people to the right accounts. It, it might be a meme account, but it's giving you a lot of information. Yeah. It might be a good, it might be an investment account, but it's giving you collecting tidbits that, that certainly makes sense. There's a ton of pages out there right now that, sure. are, that are doing that. So, I mean, with, since we're already on the nineties, I mean, wrestling and there's a big UFC match that I, and I say match, it's a, it's a fight. I just, right. you know what? I just finished watching a soccer game and again, it's a soccer match, but I, I, there's just, I need to, and it's a football match. So I need to like, Say it in every way possible so everybody say, knows exactly what I'm talking about. I say so, it's the fights tonight. There you go. It's the and um, this is a big one. I, I was going to do a standalone video, and I still might maybe before the main card tonight, I might go on IG Live and uh, do a little ditty about what's going on with the UFC. Um, so, but just quickly, you know, it's funny. We were talking about the nineties, this, this key era of excess. Um, I certainly have very fond memories of the nineties. Um, it was a great time in general. I'm one of those pisser and moaners that uh, really whines and complains a lot about, man, I wish it was 1996. What a wonderful year. Yeah. It was a great time to be alive. And uh, the cards were fun. 
they were a little ridiculous, but that's, that's why uh, I think they're so coveted now is there were risks that companies were willing to take. By the way, there are a lot more companies involved in the game. As a hockey collector, you had Tops, you had Panini, you had all these different um, companies vying for your dollar. And that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Tops did a lot of cool stuff with, with hockey in the 90s, actually, with the young stars. And they, they packed out a product with signed pucks. There was all sorts of interesting stuff going on. Um, by the way, just real quick aside, Artifacts rollout has been a disaster. I heard. I'm hearing about damaged cards and synergy. I heard. What is going on with Upper Deck? I, heard. I don't want to poke the beast too much before I know it. I'm going to have no friends in this hobby because I hate tops and now Upper Deck's getting on my nerves. But my God, do we not deserve better as collectors from the one company that has the license? Well, especially as prices go up, man. You're like, how, how can you justify eliminating your quality control entirely? Like, and quite and quite frankly, it's it's a big disservice to hockey collectors and investors because people that want to get into that game right now, so breakers that traditionally wouldn't be breaking hockey, they're going to start seeing these products that catch their eye. Metal Universe is on the way, right? Um, they're going to want to be breaking this stuff. So it's 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 hockey's time to shine, and Upper Deck is dropping the ball completely. I have, I have yet to see a laugh ten, only ninths. I've seen some BGS gems. You, you, you will see more. You will. I, I saw some sharp ones come out of tins, uh, never out of a hobby. But yeah, I mean, that would help us as well if there yeah. were PSA 10s of the key player out there. Hey, come on, man. Don't like, why not? And, you know, and, and, there's, and there are people, you know, Ball Card Exchange is a big uh, card store in Indiana. Uh, I've done a lot of business with. And you know, they, they post videos every day. They post stories that it pumps up Panini because people are pulling fire. It pumps up, you know, the soccer market. I think their store had several one of ones. Yeah, you know, I know. That was crazy. Big ones. Yeah. And then what's the story for hockey artifacts? Oh, our customers are getting no hits in their box. Way to go, Upper Deck. Seriously, I, I've, I have done nothing but support this company, uh, pump their tires. That Their customer service is fantastic. But... Come on, let's 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 see you step up when it's most important, when you have this big opportunity and, and stop dropping the puck, so to speak. Or I don't know what you're doing with the puck. The puck's not even on the ice. It's not even You know what you're game. doing? It's a delay a game penalty. That's what you're doing right now, man. That's Just what they're doing, man. Right we're, into we're, the stands. We're... Just saying, fuck it. That's it, right? That's that's exactly it. Um now back to the UFC. Um listen, uh uh, Russ, pro wrestling was at its peak in the 90s. Okay? I, love, I, I loved wrestling, man. Okay. There was nothing like it. The Attitude Era in WWE, the advent of ECW, the, the competition between the companies and the stars themselves. Yeah. It's, they, they, you know, the WWE has chosen to go very corporate, bland route. Everyone's name is like Jim Smith and Jack Jones. And, and, and they're, 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 they're spitting out these pre-scripted, garbage lines yeah. whereas back then you had stone cold steve austin you had dwayne the rock johnson you had you had mick foley aka cactus jack aka mankind you had undertaker clear getting the promos of a lifetime and it was exciting and people tuned in uh i don't i don't know who's watching wrestling right now there is a, a particular breed of wrestling fan right now most of them are all elite wrestling fans um not my favorite type of wrestling fan, to tell you the truth. God bless them. I mean, I, I was a huge fan when AEW started out because there was a group of people from New Japan, and I was a big fan of that wrestling. 
Um, but I suddenly realized what they were doing was kind of like a, a weird homage to the wrestling I grew up with. And I'm not interested in that. I can just go watch that stuff. I have tapes. I have, yes, I have VHS tapes. I have DVDs. I can watch that stuff anytime I want. They're, they're just kind of doing this really strange, uh, bizarre kind of homage parody of pro wrestling. And you know what? That's, that's fine. If you enjoy it, it's not for me. That said, in the 90s, you had a you had a crisscrossing with early mixed martial arts. Uh, get, best example I can give you is Ken Shamrock when he showed up. Yeah. Uh, former UFC champion showed up in WWE. Other guys as well, Tank Abbott. This was a hot time for mixed martial arts. They were still trying to figure out what they were. They were still trying to get their rules in order. Yeah. And then mixed martial arts saw another big bump a few years later via the Chuck Liddells of the world, Tito Ortiz, that sort of thing. And now we have kind of Brock crystallized. Lester, Brock Lesnar crossed over too. Yep, absolutely. That was a big one as well going into the OOs. That was around UFC 100. That was the big kind of high point yeah. when Lesnar uh, wrestled, uh, wrestled his way to a title yeah. versus uh, Randy Couture, right? Was so it? it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And that's, that's again tapping into the nostalgia. Um, people tend to, the casual fans tend to glom on to people. And Conor McGregor is certainly that guy. I have big opinions about Conor McGregor. Posted this story earlier today. This guy loses and keeps progressing. He lost an 8DS, wound up with a lightweight title shot. That led to a fight with Floyd, uh, Floyd Mayweather, which was a loss. But yet somehow that led to another shot at, at a lightweight title. And his card reaching about $1,000. He lost that. And now he has a $12,000 debut rookie card. Doesn't make sense to me. Uh, only makes sense on the level that he's kind of iconic to the culture. Yeah. What happens if he loses tonight? And quite frankly, I'm rooting for him to lose tonight. Um, Do you think he loses tonight? Anytime McGregor fights, and I'm sorry that this is a bit of a cop-out, but even Habib, even Habib did this cop-out earlier today. Go for it. He, he said he, he thinks Connor's going to win quickly. But if he doesn't, and this is what Habib mentioned, and Habib's very spot on with his analysis, um, is that he can, Poirier can beat this guy in the third or fourth round. Um, my favorite scenario is that Poirier wins a bloodbath by decision. Yeah. Because Connor will slow down in the championship rounds. But most people are telling you that Connor's going to win this quickly. The reason why is because he's a counter striker. Yeah. He has huge power, especially for that size. Like Poirier will land. Yeah. I went back and watched the first Poirier and Connor match. Uh, if you read news stories about this, it's very misleading. They tell you that Connor destroyed him. Oh. And yes, he beat him in the first round. This was years ago, first of all. Seven years, right? Yeah, this was well before Dustin Poirier went on the current run that he's on. Yeah. And he's gotten better and better every single time. And at that, at, at that point, that was literally like peak McGregor hype at that time. And Poirier kind of played into that, you know, put him in there against a striker. He'll counter strike his way to victory. But by the way, if you watch that fight, um, Poirier did land. He doesn't have as much power as Connor, but he has a lot of precision. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what caught him was a, a weird shot to the back of his head, which is technically an illegal strike if it's done purposefully, but it wasn't done purposefully. And Connor was really good. He didn't hesitate. As soon as Poirier went down from that weird shot to the back of his head, he filled him in and that was it. But is, is he going to get lucky like that twice in a row? Um, there's a huge chance he loses tonight. The UFC needs him to win 
and they need the Habib Connor two fight to happen. And you will see UFC going to the stratosphere. Blow up. And you've already got Gary V talking about UFC. I see other influencers. They have all those elements that I talked about in the hockey market. You need a big sale, a big player, and you need there to be a season. Yeah. So you have the first, you have the first pay-per-view of the year for UFC. You have the big star, Conor McGregor, and you have the big sale, which just happened. Um, man, UFC is so tricky that way because you don't have this full season where players are playing every day. You have three month periods between fights. If you're going to invest in a guy, um, that's why I've always been wary of it. Even though I was one of the earliest collectors, I was collecting this stuff back in 2009. I'm going through boxes right now because of the fact that the market is finally starting to heat up. Yeah. And by the way, there's a ton of confusion. There were so few releases every year, and it's tough to tell what is a rookie card. I, I know what the rookie cards are. If you want a Habib rookie card, it's 2012 UFC Bloodlines. Um, and I believe the Connors 2013. Uh, for sure, the autograph is 2013, and Habib's first autograph is 2014 knockout. It's stuff people don't really know, and there's yeah. not a ton of resources out there. Yeah, so it sounds, I- sounds kind of like soccer where, like, yeah, no, that's the best way to put it. If someone was going to ask me, like, what's Ronaldo's rookie card? I'd be like, okay, like, we can go at this so many different ways. Like, do we talk about the sticker? Because, or do we talk about his, like, Mega Cracks, which is technically his first official card in 2003, but there's also a sticker in 2003. Yeah, this, it's going to be a whole, you it, know, smorgasbord of potentials. I can grab a Max Holloway card from 2013 and tell you that that's his rookie card. Well, okay. Right. If you use hockey, basketball, and baseball as the standard, the the rookies are throughout the year, right? So Tatis is all throughout 2019. Previously with the UFC, it was the debut card, which in Holloway's case, I think is the 2013 finest. Even I'm having trouble with this. But if the knockout's the same year, technically, I can advertise it as a rookie card. Yeah. Um, So there's going to be there's going to be a ton of confusion. Yeah. Um, But first autographs, thankfully, for the most part tops would denote uh, it's a it's really cool it's like a logo like the rc logo it's in an octagon and it says first but that's not always the case uh, they didn't have it in their first couple sets so the john jones rookie autograph which is now worth thousands of dollars does not have that designation can i so, tell you a real cool story about john jones yeah, real quick do it so there was a ufc in in toronto correct oh yeah there was a couple yeah, yeah okay so it was a lot. It was a while ago, though, man. Like it's got to be like upwards of ten years, though, right? It was. A, it was a while back. Uh, oh. I'll tell you exactly when. I mean, even with my Alzheimer's, I can't. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So you tell me that while I'm I'm talking this rest. One of my best friends, his name is Peter. He's an unreal guy. Maybe we'll have him on the show one time. But he is a diehard UFC fan, much like yourself. And he went to the weigh-in. Like he actually went to the John John Jones was at the weigh-in. He Amazing. went to the weigh-in. And he waited, waited in line for this weigh-in. And then John Jones's favorite fighter of all time. And during the weigh-in, John Jones took off his shoes, signed them both, and threw them into the crowd. Unbelievable. Did this motherfucker catch one. He actually caught one. And it's, it has since been sitting on his mantle. And uh, I, I just, I have never... Like it, it was never a more fitting moment for me than when he went there and he called me right after. He's like, dude, you'll never believe this. I caught an autographed shoe from, from John Jones. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But like, is it like pre-autoed? Did they say he autographed? He's like, no, no, no. He signed it and he threw it in the crowd. And I'm like, that is, that is unreal. 
off to JSA and then do your thing and display. No, he it, just right? kept. He didn't. He didn't get it like authenticated, which I, he definitely needs to. But you should. You I know. Should. I know. I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna help him out with that. How do you so feel about JSA? Uh, yeah, the, the, I, I, you'd go with the JSA wing of PSA, JSA authenticated JSA. collectibles. Yeah. But um, James uh, Spence authentication, which is uh, with PSA. Um, yeah, it was 10 years ago. Yeah. And uh, the first event had GSP. And it's it's hilarious because how many people even remember who Jake Shields was at this point? He was he was an outsider to the UFC, yeah. was known for his grappling and GSP took care of him like he did everybody else. Um, and then, and then after that, there were a couple events where John Jones headlined, and I believe Max Holloway was the latest headliner in Toronto, which now has a rich history of, of, of MMA fights. Um, so yeah, the, the, the concept right now is what I'm trying to say is what happens if Connor loses tonight? Um, so far, nothing has stopped the, the, the trajectory of his collectibles because, of who he is, but it's a funny thing. Even with John Jones, I thought I was doing the right thing by gravitating away from these guys after everything that they were going through. I mean, look, uh, just to say it simply, uh, John, John Jones hit a pregnant woman with his car and then took off only to return to his car to grab some stuff, presumably some weed and get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, Conor McGregor punched an old guy in the face in a bar. I mean, this is, it's also tough for someone who's into mixed martial arts on the level of, yeah, you know, appreciating it for the, the honor, the tradition, the respect. And that's what GSP and Habib really stand for. Yeah. And it's tough to see them sort of taking a back seat. Like, I think my sale on the Habib was the, the highest one so far. And it's like flattened out at around a thousand us, but give me a break. That's one twelfth of the Conor McGregor autograph. And by the way, Connor's not serially numbered and the, and the Habib is there's like yeah. very few of them. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a little, that's a little strange, but again, we see so much driven by the cultural impact impact that someone makes, which is um, why we should probably talk a little bit about the, the, the show that everyone's kind of mentioning right now is uh, Gary V's overrated, underrated yeah. little reel on Instagram regarding sports cards. And he talked about a bunch of different stuff, but the one that really stuck out to me was he mentioned that he thinks that the Zion prism is overrated. And this kind of bleeds into what we were talking about is like, sometimes we just like what we see doesn't make much sense. Like here we have, I mean, yeah, Zion on paper looks like a fantastic prospect. And so far He's been a pretty good NBA player in what, like 40 games. He missed most of last season, his rookie season. He missed most of because of a knee injury where he had to relearn how to walk, by the way, because his walking, his gait is just so off. Um, And here we have, I mean, I'm going to be real with you. Someone commented on one of my TikTok videos this morning about this and said that Zion has more skill than Michael Jordan. I saw that. That was mine. And I'm just kind of like, is this how people feel? You know, like, you know, we're, we're, we're in the era of the extreme armchair quarterback. My God, everyone uh, and their mom is now able to tell you who's going to be the next great thing. Um, 
yeah, that, that's that's a pretty wild take. But I was like, he said that Michael Jordan <laughs> would, wouldn't get drafted in today's NBA. Well, uh, you know, without 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 peering too too deeply into the abyss, there. No, no, I. Um, <laughs> but it just—I think it just speaks volumes to like. It's like people see things right now and they hear hype and the hype train starts going in their head and they convince themselves that this guy is legitimately better than arguably the greatest player of all time in their sport, you know, and this person can do no wrong. Zion can go out there, shoot 0 for 12. I'm not saying he ever has or ever will, but he could do that. And his card is still 650 because he's like, and, and, well, and there's just really nothing behind it right now. Ownership is a powerful thing. When people have made the investment and have ownership in it, they're going to fight to the death. Um, some people know when to get out. Some people want to fight to the death in that in, in those terms. I I don't even want to dip my toes in it. But when you get into the world of politics, I think we're going to see that same mindset where people are living in the bubble. They don't want to pay too much attention to other opinions. If they hopped on when someone told them to hop on and they went all in, they're going to fight back when you start to tell them, you know what, maybe this wasn't the best play uh, when there are other plays available. Well, like, but what at happens? the same time, man, like, I would think it would be silly to, you know, to say, okay, forget it. It's over. Toss your Zions. No, 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 of course not. Of but, course not. But you'll see that you'll, you'll see kind of two, you'll, you'll, you'll see people fight back against what we have been seeing. And then a group of people fight back against that reaction. Yeah. And that will that will kind of <clears throat> affect the market, certainly. So I, I think um, it's just important to like just diversify, you know, like just yeah. just understand that like if you're only buying recent players, it's fun because you see the numbers jump up like crazy, like we saw with Nick Suzuki, like we see with Colin Sexton in the NBA, like we saw with Tyler Toffoli after two games and it. That's really lucrative, you know, to turn a card from $8 into 65 or, you know, from 80 to 300 is unreal. Right. But like, what well, happens if, if that stuff starts fizzling out, you know, like, and you get caught with too many of those, what happens? I would suggest like, you know, and, and, and basketball and some other sports maybe should take a note from hockey. Look at the lesson we're being taught right now. So Jack Hughes fell flat, the number one draft pick last year. You could be picking that card up for 30 bucks uh, in the off season towards the off season. Of course, hype always builds towards the season, but the point I'm trying to make is the card fell flat and now he's performing. And when I say that, I, I even feel silly saying that because it's only been a few games. He's looking Show me this full okay. year first, but I don't, nonetheless, I don't, I don't uh, usually knee jerk. Like, I'm going to be real. I don't usually knee jerk, but I watched two New Jersey games. And that's, and that's the difference you're watching. And I was like, this kid looks good. Like, so there you go. And does it make sense to you, Brendan, as someone who plays sports and has observed this sort of stuff and understands athletics to a degree, you know, like you, it doesn't make sense that, you know, okay. His first year went rough for him. He was adjusting to the, to the NHL style play, adjusting to playing with big boys. Makes sense, right? You put so, up twenty pounds of muscle in the off season, bro. And that's right. such a and that's a typical thing you hear. You know, I, I it's it's it, you know Ryan Nugent Hopkins. That was a big thing back in the day. Was everyone's like, this guy's got to put on size. This guy's got to put in the work. Um, so you know, Laffy has not has yet to score this year. Yeah, and that's normal. Where, 
are some people going to dump his stuff? They are. But the question is, if you've already made the investment, I haven't. Um, Do you panic or do you just calm down and and realize? So it kind of goes back to what you said is, was this a, was this a short-term play or a long-term play? It's going to be a lot of people burnt by the types of short-term plays that they think that they can make. I mean, I'd argue the older stuff is almost becoming better for a short-term play. We're seeing changes on a daily basis for the Wayne Gretzky rookie card, but you're putting money in a Laffey thinking you're going to make money quickly, knowing full well that last year's number one draft pick struggled in his first year. Yeah. Right. And there's no reason to toss him out. Yeah. Maybe Laffey needs that first year. And maybe that's how it is in hockey. Maybe we should kind of pay attention. And learn I mean, this. they're like 19 years old coming into a league where like they're getting battered by guys in their mid thirties. Like I, I, when I was 19 years old, you put me up against a guy in their, in their thirties in pre in peak physical condition, I'd get manhandled, man. There's no way, no matter how skilled I was, yep. you know, like, yeah. And the ice and- is fall, dude. That's why I see a movement in baseball right now where people are specifically looking for the cards from last year where players didn't show up after big rookie years. The big examples right off the top of my head are probably going to be Alonzo and Aquino. Uh, these are guys with a lot of hype that didn't show up last year. And the question is, do you, do you just do you move on from it or do you realize that the sophomore slump is a real thing? Do you realize that last year was a strange year for some of these guys mentally and in some cases physically? Um, so that could be where, where you can find some big opportunities. I think I'm going to drop a little tidbit right now. And I'm, I'm just, I mean, as if I need to say this, I think Vlad's just going to pop off, man. I think a lot of people are sorry. That's a great, I mean, and that's a great one to put in there. He had that hype going into last year. Didn't quite play out. You know how old he is, you know, like he's 21 years old. He's yes. and like people are throwing him to the wolves saying he's a bust. And I, he lost 35 to 40 pounds at least in the off season. He has not stopped working. And there was this, a, this is a guy who is in a lineup that just got better with George Springer in it. You know, the pitching staff just got better. Like, yeah, there was there was a big account on Instagram that does consignment sales and they were blowing out lads at the end of the season last year. And at one point I told you about this. I was mad at myself because I missed out a lot of several PSA 10 update Vlads, which is his flagship rookie for 20 us each $20. Okay. By the way, at that same time, people were blowing out Tatis and Acuna. And by the way, I was picking them up. Uh, which is a smart thing to do because all those guys are going to have eyes on them coming into the season. And I expect big things from all of them in, in a more of a quote unquote, normal regular season of play. The Soto is, 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 is interesting for me though. Like 350 for a guy who's younger than both Tatis and Acuna is uh, I mean, I guess he's got the chip. So that's the only difference, you know? But it's a lot of people who put him as the top of the quote unquote big three. Yeah. Uh, I, I've put my chips in with Ronald Acuna Jr. And ironically, I'm, I'm the Tatis. So I guess yeah, like, we're really people, under- I, I, I ain't going to fight you too yeah. much on that. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. go wrong. You and can't go wrong. Them, Spread it out. It's, it's interesting though, to see the price difference from all three though, you know, like sure. it's, 
it's pretty interesting. But you know, my best my best bit of advice with those guys, diversify. You can't go wrong. Acuna gets the least amount of love, though. I'm gonna be real with you. It's it's funny how it flip-flopped. He was he was the 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 guy. Look, he he had a legitimate 40-40 run. Yeah. At the end of 2019. I mean yeah. he got injured. He repeats, it, it, believe me, it, it, if he repeats that, we're done talking about Soto yeah, and Tatis. I know. Seriously. I know. So and then Although, going to be honest, if if Tatis plays a full year, like uh, that's he's another guy that I mean, if he didn't have that massive slump last year, he was hitting like he had the most most steals, most home runs, most RBI in the entire league. All, all for like a month and a half. And he just was tearing the, the, the roof off. It was crazy. And I'm not even going to go into the exact specifics of yours and mine deep cut. I think you know who I'm talking about. A man who will be the subject of a major motion picture. I'm excited. But the idea is don't get too blinded, uh, by the way, by the top three. There's big opportunities in baseball. Baseball's so damn exciting. Look, I am a hockey and MMA fan who got pulled back into baseball in late 2019 because of what was going on. And do you remember the days you don't remember the days? Cause you were not in the hobby at that point where I could go to Walmart and pick up packs of 2018 tops update, man, those were the days, heady days. Those are gone far away, but that pulled me back into the sport because my God, there's so much rich talent out there. And, and it's exciting stuff. That is exciting stuff. So Speaking of baseball, uh, the Hall of Fame inductee ceremony, or not ceremony, but the ballot is on Tuesday. And I don't know if you saw the Barry Bonds Opeachy got uh, is at all-time high right now. Well, what do you know about, are we going to start seeing some of these steroid-era guys go in? Does, does I, it seem I, that way? Listen, the, my first ever PSA sub that I submitted with you I had only one old school baseball player on there. And I think I can't even really call him old school baseball, but I'm going to because it's old school for me. And it was, it was, is it 86 or 87? 87. It's an 87 OPG Barry Bonds rookie card. That's all I, I somehow, for whatever reason, you know, it's funny. I can't even go back into my headspace when I was doing it. But for some reason I bought that card and I remember telling you, I think he's going to get into the hall this year. And uh, now we're like three days away from finding out. And let me tell you, the, the Hall of Fame inductee class, no disrespect to anybody that's being or on the ballot. I just think it's one of the weaker ones. And I think that this year may be the year that everyone's a little bit more forgiving. For Are the ballots becoming more uh, weakened because we're seeing the drop off of some of the steroid guys? Is that what it is? Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I think there was a, there's a little bit of a lull, um, you know, because so many, uh, so many of them were alleged steroid users or confirmed steroid users. You know what I mean? So there's like a, like a, let's say five to eight year window where like, we haven't gotten to like Jeter and you know what I mean? So right. it's, um, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but I honestly think he gets in. Um, I'm making that prediction right now. You know, this is going to drop on Monday. It's uh, so I think he's going to get it's interesting in. to see. And, uh, you know, I have my fingers crossed uh, for you that the PSA gods treat you kindly when it comes to the centering. Cause it's, but at this tough. rate, they're going to upcharge tough. me on all the damn cards we submitted, man. Guess. <laughs> um, but I am also seeing an article talking about why the Baseball Hall of Fame could have an empty class. In empty? That's what it's, it's an article I'm seeing here on CBS, CBS. Really? So, but nonetheless, that's one man's opinion, right? For all we know. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm looking at it. Kurt you Schilling, see what I mean? Like it's Scott Rowland. Yeah. So it so it looks to me, and I'm not a baseball expert, that a lot of these guys have fallen off. Yeah. Um, that didn't go in because of the steroid scandals, right? Yeah. So it's this is probably the one to watch for Clemens and Bonds. They need to make a decision, basically. Like, are we ever gonna let them in? I think this is probably the, that one, you know, where they're like, okay, do we ever let them in? Mm. So it's uh it's going to be interesting, man. Interesting. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a cool. Well, a lot of eyes on baseball, a lot of eyes on baseball history. Obviously, Hank Aaron's passing was a big deal. Uh, Dude, um, RIP, man. That guy was huge for the game. Absolutely. Another guy that just wasn't, that we just kind of maybe took for granted. Yeah. He was not, not discussed as much as they should be. And I'm going to throw this out there as a take. I'm sorry. Go for it. But, you know, it, it, took, it took something from hammering Hank when we were so focused on the Maguire and Sosa chase and then Bonds ultimately taking the record with an asterisk next to it did damage to, yeah. to Hammer and Hank's brand and legacy. Yeah. And I remember being upset about that when everything came out at the end of the day, because here I'm looking at, you know, video highlights of Hammer and Hank. He was not on steroids. No, no he was on, he was on greatness. Yeah. And it sucks that, that, all of that kind of got messed with in the name of cheating. And just, again, I know you don't want to hear this with the bonds. Look, I was a Barry Bonds fan. Yeah, I still am. I yeah. still am. But the guy cheated. It's again, going back to all this stuff with controversies in MMA and stuff like that, you know, that, that human element is it's, it's a real thing. Tiger Woods is affected by it as well, but we have a lot of pure legacies like, like Hank Aaron's and uh, they, they get affected at the end of the day as well. I hope a lot of the young kids are paying attention, reading about him, understanding his importance and just how amazing he was. Yeah. Yes. It was a different era of play, but you can read about that era. It doesn't mean it was an easier oh. era of play. In fact, I would argue vice versa. Um, he wasn't facing pitchers that get the type of training that they do now, the type of uh, technology that's involved in building the perfect fastball, yeah. building the perfect motion and rotation. Uh so it's, 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 it's a huge deal. And uh, we're losing all these classic guys that existed at a time before there were all these controversies yeah. and, and things like that, that would happen. Yeah, man. So on a lighter note, I think uh, these people deserve these people being these lovely listeners and watchers. I think they deserve They're lovely. a fitness tip today. I think they, they deserve a fitness tip today. We're going to get into the fitness because we are the cardboard coaches. We are the coaches. Uh, we do have a one of one Donnie B collectibles That's, yes. giveaway. So I just wanted to update you on that. Just so that Please. we're all on the same page here. We got some awesome responses uh, on my page uh, at sports card cartel. And I'm going to tell you truthfully, we've got so many good ones. We, I think what's going to happen tomorrow, Sunday, we're recording on a Saturday. We're dropping on a Monday, I believe. Yep. We're going to randomize. The idea was we were going to pick yeah. one, Donnie and I, but there's so many good uh, answers that uh, we asked people to share their favorite Ray Bork memory yeah. or their favorite moment from the podcast. And uh, we, we might end up randomizing because we didn't get a ton of entries, but the entries that we did get were very thoughtful. Yeah. And man, Ray Bork was so awesome, man. Speaking so of vintage hockey, get yourself a Ray Bork rookie card if you haven't already. Um but uh, we will be figuring that out. Now, getting back to the fitness, we left people hanging last time. We did. We got a little excited. 
yeah, with with Donnie B. But we we left it off with the concept of what were the most important body weight exercises anyone can do without any equipment at home. Yep. We also talked about drinking a ton of water, fresh, regular water. P.S. Shout out to the P the P Ryan collection again. Man, am I becoming a fanboy of this guy? Um, he's always talking about drinking water on his podcast. Let's come on, man. Yeah, this this is what we need in the hobby. I mean, you see I'm me. I'm, you, I'm sipping this shit constantly, and I promise. We're all hunched over. You ever get into that sports card zone? By the way, uh, I make a joke about it with the story with the with Gary Oldman and the professional taking that pill and going. Oh. Love the calm before yeah. the storm, and and that's me before I start listing and stuff because I'm so zoned out. I dehydrate myself. I'm not drinking water. I'm not eating food. I'm performing no function. My bladder turns off. I'm just zoned in on boxes of cards, listings. It's extremely unhealthy, and I, I and I think it's even worse for for some other people. So we talked about drinking water. We talked about making small changes every day. How would you feel after a week of the push-ups, the squats, and drinking three to four glasses of water every day? So I hope some people took that up and, and, and felt that change. Let's talk about what we can do during the pandemic era if we don't have equipment at home. We're going to defer to Coach Co because he leads groups of people who are working on making their lives so much better in the, in, during the lockdown and are faced with the fact that it's tough to get dumbbells. If you don't already have them, it's tough to get equipment. For sure. And so I, what, what, what cartel and I like to talk about is just like, there's just no excuses, right? Like we can always find a way if, as long as you put in the effort and you have the drive, we can make it work. And so for, with respect to exercise, there are some things that I suggest that you can use around the house that will allow you to progress your movements or even do certain movements that you've never even thought you could do at home. For example, I'm sure every single one of you has a laundry detergent container, okay? Now, this might not be the heaviest thing in the whole world, okay? But maybe you need a you need laundry detergent. Maybe you're a little bit short and maybe you can you can buy another one, okay? Maybe a little prematurely. This thing is approximately you know, 2.21 liters, I would say it's like eight to 10 pounds. Okay. That's eight to 10 pounds that you can wield essentially at your leisure. Okay. And as, as cartel was just talking about what we want to work on are things that will help improve our posture. So cartel is going to help describe how to do a single arm row for me. So I'm going to be demoing it and cartel is going to be the one basically running us through it. Okay. So I'm going to be stepping back. So guys, rows are incredibly important to work the back muscles, including the lats, the rhomboids, and we need to do them properly. What Co is doing right there is showing you how to not do it properly. He's rounding the open part of his back there so the thoracic spine suddenly opens up. Now, what he did right there was he straightened up. Now, that's usually easier said than done. You do often hear, now, do this deliberately, uh, if you don't mind, Co. So up, back, and down of the shoulder up, back, and down. And that sometimes is a little bit of a, a misnomer because people will get stuck in the up position. Yeah. But up, back, and down means chest up, shoulder down, which is thoracic extension. So the best way that I put it is Ko's going to pretend a rope is pulling on the front of, on, on his chest at a 45 degree angle. 
even when he leans over in his hinge, which is shoving his butt back like he's doing, he wants to keep that in mind. Chest forward, shoulder tucked in so the right muscles are activated. He's going to row up, kind of up through the thigh towards the hip, to, towards the hip. If he rows towards the middle of his body, do that. Look what happens. He's stressing his neck and his trap muscles. Look how high that elbow is going offline to the mid portion of his body. Now let's go to the hip and line it up. And if you notice, the upper arm is parallel to the ground. All right. Upper arm parallel to the ground. He's hitting his lats that way. Biceps are getting involved, back of the shoulders. And those are some of the muscles that are going to help him posturally chest forward. So you can do them one at a time like that. You can do both at the same time. If you're just starting out, I would suggest one at a time. Show us the two at a time. The reason why I would suggest that is because when we start two at a time, if we're having trouble with the hinge or with the thoracic spine, you might be shrugging up a bit like he's doing there. But once you get to the point, let's pull back and do it properly. This is beautiful because now not only is Brendan doing both at the same time, saving a little bit of time at, uh, at the same time, he is also working his core because now he's counterbalancing weight on either side while he's staying in that hinge. So guys, I'm pretty sure Brendan can stay in that hinge all day. I'm pretty sure I can stay in a hinge all day. If you're not used to the hinge and the lower back is of the lumbar spine is opening up a little bit, it could hurt. So I want you to be just mindful of that as well. I'm going to so, jump in real quick and just mention that if you do find that you're rounding out because you can't brace your core properly, one thing that we, we would suggest you do is maybe lean on a table. So have one hand on a table or, you know, I've got a stability ball here. This is way too complicated to start with. But let's I'm pretend that, let's pretend that's a flat table. So you want to drive your hand into it. Perfect. And what that's going to do is create the core stability. You got it. Perfect. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of times back in the day when we were allowed to go into gyms, uh, where Brenton and I live, we're not allowed anymore. You would see, you know, a lot of people rowing by lifting through the neck and again, just, just not keeping that good posture so that we can keep that shoulder down and affect the lap and affect the mid-back, which you want to imagine the area between your shoulder blades getting squeezed back. Um, our, our biggest, you know, cue as coaches with a, a human being one-on-one -on -one would be literally, I take my hand and you better be pinching with those shoulder blades every time you pull back. When you're rounded out and you're pulling, we're not going to feel that. What we just feel is a, a lump, a round lump. So hugely important yeah. uh, for posture. Uh, hugely important if you ever want to develop that V taper type of look that I had when I was younger that Brendan walks around with. That's what you want to look at is making sure you're engaging the right pack muscles, right? So that's great to do at home with the laundry detergent with a large bottle of distilled water there. I, I have a, a, a distilled bottle um, uh, of distilled water that I'm pretty sure is like 20 pounds. It's gigantic. Yeah. It's got a spout on it. Um, so anything heavy that yeah, you find another thing the is, house. Uh, I would suggest maybe like a backpack and filling it with books or like a reusable bag. Even I'm sure everyone has a reusable bag that they can put books or shoes or something that you can put a handle on or that has a handle that you can load up or decrease weight as, as need be. But the important part is finding solutions. Let's, let's get into this habit of finding solutions and cartel and I are going to be here to help. So we're going to keep pushing these solutions at you.
Absolutely. I love it, man. This Absolutely. is a good one. I had a lot of fun today. Let me tell you. All right, guys. I think uh, it's about that time. Uh, UFC is about to start for us. And uh, I, when you're listening, you'll know exactly what happens. But uh, don't, don't let us know. <laughs> get, get, ready, get ready to watch that UFC market blow up one way or another. Um, make sure you're targeting the right fighters. I'm going to throw some names at you real quick. Amanda Nunez, the champ champ of the women's division, Israel Adesanya. He's causing waves. He's becoming a cultural icon. He has a deal with Puma. Don't sleep on people that are signing sponsorship deals that have yet to hit a pregnant woman or get caught up in a drug or sex scandal. Uh, those are my favorites to focus on. Perfectly, uh, perfectly speaking is people who don't do that sort of thing. And there's big opportunities in MMA. And of course, the nostalgia factor, go back to the, go back to the Boz Rutens, Ken Shamrocks, uh, Mark Coleman's, Randy Couture's, et cetera. I love it. All right, team. I want you guys to have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, week, month, whatever the hell it is. I just want you guys to be in good spirits here. Coach Co. out. Peace. Take care.